0: Hi friends, welcome to We're Going There, and yes, we are doing something different because usually new podcasts are released on Thursdays, but today we are mixing it up. In fact, we are going on a seven-day journey through scripture and stories to dialogue, discuss, and dissect who the Holy Spirit is, why we need Him in our everyday lives, and how our lives can change when we are empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, I spoke to producer Madi and I had this idea. I said, what if we did this for seven days? And she was all in. She green-lighted extra work for her, more work for me. Why, friends? Because we love you. So we are gonna dive into this topic of the Holy Spirit because I firmly believe, I know I'm gonna sound crazy and I don't care. I firmly believe that we're on the brink of God doing something really cool and unique on the earth. I know, I've said it before, and I've even used the R word. Yes, friends, revival. It's not a word I want to throw around and use lightly, uh, but as a teacher, as a preacher, as a communicator of God's word, I like to underpromise and over-deliver. In fact, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I have never said on this podcast, oh, this topic, this series, this speaker, this theme is going to change your life. But I will say, for me personally, the study of the Holy Spirit and receiving the gift of His Spirit has radically changed my life. So each day we're gonna be building upon understandings and concepts around the Spirit of God. And my hope is that instead of living basic, boring, vanilla, beige, khaki spiritual lives, we can live with a sense of upgrade of our faith. Do you know the access that you have because the Spirit of God is within you? Now, let me kind of make this apparent and clear using one of my favorite stories. I was serving at my dad's church in East Los Angeles, California. Gosh, this was about 15 years ago, and I oversaw the events at the church. Now, I wasn't on staff, it wasn't my role, but I loved the local church, and I believe the church is the hope for the world, and so I volunteered in this role, and I loved it. So one of the events that our church hosted was a five-day Alaskan cruise, and there was this sweet couple whose children decided to bless them for their 40th wedding anniversary. Their names were Steve and Maria. Now, Steve and Maria were gifted with this beautiful gift from their children, and if you have ever gone on a cruise, you will know that there are nightly dinners with fully plated meals and cutlery and silverware and tables overflowing with a cornucopia of food. And every night, I would check on our group to make sure that our travelers were happy and healthy and enjoying themselves. Well, the first night, I noticed that Steve and Maria weren't at dinner. I figured that maybe they were tired or maybe they were seasick, so they opted not to come to dinner. The next night... And the next night after that, I noticed that they weren't at dinners. So on the fourth day of our fifth day cruise, I found Steve and I asked him if he was okay or maybe he preferred not to eat dinner with us in the dining room. And he said, wait, we're invited to that? They look so fancy. I didn't know that that was included for us too. (laughs) So that night... I had Steve and Maria get dressed up and sit next to me at dinner and told them that all the food in this room was limitless and they could order whatever they wanted and as much as they wanted. Steve looked at me wide-eyed and that night he ordered three lobster tails with extra butter and two desserts because he said he was making up for the days that he missed out. He asked me multiple times between bites, are you sure this is included? And I told him the same thing over and over. This is included in the price, and the price has been paid. Friends, I want to tell you the same thing as we go into this week. I'm going to tell you what I told Steve as he grubbed on his delicious lobster tails. This is included in the price, and the price has been paid in full. When Jesus hung on the cross on Calvary and gave his life for you and for me, the price was paid in full. And when he left the earth and promised us his spirit, let me tell you that this is included in the price that he paid. He gave us his spirit as a gift. And when I say the gift of God is a gift, please don't hear me say that this is the gifts of the Spirit. No, no. We're going to get into that on day five of this series, and we'll be talking about all the things. I'm talking mercy, teaching, miracles, faith, prophecy, and yes, friends, even tongues. (laughs) Get ready. But today I want to make very clear that I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is the gift. Now, have you heard about this gift? Oh, friends, let me tell you that it is an upgrade in our faith. And I'm saying this because in Acts chapter 2, Peter, who's a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, he gives one of his greatest and most powerful sermons being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then scripture tells us that people who were listening to him, they were cut to the core. They asked, well, what do we do now? What do we do now that we know this? Peter tells him, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And then he says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit friends we have a gift it's a real gift and it's a gift with the power to change lives so let's talk about this gift why don't so many believers want this gift why are they fearful of this gift I listed three reasons off the top of my head number one let's start with the fact that he's referred to as a ghost or a spirit and friends who wants to kick it with a ghost that might feel foreign or even a bit scary number two the Holy Spirit is unknown to many, and we fear what we don't understand. We fear being under something that we can't control or explain. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit in teaching and the usage of the Holy Spirit has been manipulated and abused by many. Maybe you have seen or heard or experienced something that kind of caused you to wake down. I know for me it did. It terrified me so much so that I didn't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, with a podcast of this size and coming from so many diverse backgrounds and so many different countries and continents, it's safe to say that we all come from different theological backgrounds as well. Because some have denominations, and and there might even be some that are like new to faith or not even Christian. You're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Holy Spirit. But listen, I know on this podcast, we probably have people who are Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopalian. And if you're Pentecostal, you're raising both hands with a whoop whoop because you like to turn up in the house of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, to make sure we're all on the same page, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit that we see in the Bible, and I want to make this as easy as possible. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, specifically in the New Testament, there are three Greek prepositional phrases. Let's just call them Greek verbs, okay? There are three Greek verbs when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The first verb that we see is the word para, P-A-R-A, and that means alongside, okay? We get our English word parachute or paralegal, alongside, from this word para. And we use this verb to explain that the Holy Spirit is around us, alongside of us. Before we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is alongside of us. The second verb that we see is n e n. It's used in English words like entrance or endometriosis. And this word is as it sounds, as in in. When this verb is used to describe the Holy Spirit, the shift moves from alongside, para, to within us. So the Holy Spirit resides in us and empowers us. But the third and final verb is mafave. It is epi, E-P-I, and it can be translated from Greek to mean upon. When the Holy Spirit moves from being alongside us, para, to in us, in, and finally upon us, epi. We see this shift specifically in Acts when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And from that encounter, which is known as Pentecost, the church was built. Now I'm telling you that the gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just here to give you chill bumps and chicken skin on a Sunday morning during a sermon. No, the Holy Spirit wants to lift you from your depression on Monday. He wants to be with you when you're deciding to sign that business contract on Tuesday. He's with you when you want to quit your diet on Wednesday. He's with you when you want to beat your child on Thursday. He is with you when you are deciding to act a fool up in a club on Friday. Because here's the truth. We can lift up holy hands in worship in church on Sunday But then our hands are everywhere. They shouldn't be during the week thinking that God's only on church on Sunday Mm -mm -mm -mm, Friend, he is alongside us. He is with us and he is upon us So let's break this down because here's some truth the truth is most people don't really have a problem with the idea of God the father because we understand father and some people don't have the concept or even believe you know Jesus that's not hard because he's the son of man But many people have issues with the idea of Holy Spirit. But listen, Father, Son, and Spirit are one. Why would we reject this gift? Let's break this down mathematically. As Christians, some people are living 67% of the life that they could live because they're ignoring the third member of the Trinity. By rejecting the Spirit of God, we are cutting away 33% of God. We could be operating at 100% of God's power, but we have settled for 67%. Here's the truth, God is in heaven. Scripturally, Jesus is in heaven. Scripturally, the Holy Spirit is here with us on earth. The question that I have for us is, do we believe in God or do we believe God? Have we rationalized, theorized, quantified the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit is so far from us that we don't even see a need for Him? Do we recognize the Holy Spirit as part and parcel of our daily activities? Do we know that we are empowered in life to do amazing things because the Spirit of God resides within us? Let me back this up jesus promised his disciples some radical things while he walked on earth don't miss out on the divine power and supernatural gift of the holy spirit to change your life okay so let's back this up with scripture in john chapter 14 we see jesus talking with his disciples and giving them a promise that is applicable for us today if you brought your bible or even just your notebook jot this down or listen to this podcast twice and like make sure it sinks in but in john chapter 14 beginning in verse 12 jesus says this whoever believes in me will do the work that I have been doing and they will do, circle this, even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's a right place for an amen. Mm -hmm. See, here's the problem though. In Western culture and society, the word greater is associated with more. More money more power more food more access more access that leads to greater fame greater fortune greater greatness But Is that what Jesus was referring to? If we look at the scope of what Jesus did here on earth his works are both natural and supernatural When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we might have different reactions Um, If you grew up in a charismatic environment You might be inspired right now to grab your tambourine pick up your praise banner and run around the church sanctuary And if you grew up in a more conservative environment, like me, you might hide because the idea of speaking in tongues and talking about the Holy Ghost sounds scarier than walking through a haunted house on Halloween. Jesus did some pretty amazing and gnarly things here on earth that we would classify as supernatural. You know, heal the sick, cause the blind to see, the lame to walk, the dead to live. You know, those things. But Jesus also did some crazy natural things. Loving the outcast, forgiving his enemies, feeding the hungry. Now, if Jesus needed the spirit to equip him and give him what he needed on this earth, how much more do we need his spirit? I need his power and his spirit to help me love my enemies and not cuss somebody out on the freeway. I need his power and his spirit to give me faith and healing when I pray over people. I need his spirit. I need the spirit of God for my every day in life and the supernatural things that I want to see him do in my life and the lives of others. The truth is that we need his spirit to fight supernatural battles with supernatural power. And Jesus said, You will do the things that I have done and greater. The gift of the upgrade of the Holy Spirit is greater. And the greater begins with you. Yes, upgrade begins with you. Uh, so it's either you're believing the words of Jesus or you're not. Now, some of you might be more concerned with upgrading your technology than upgrading your faith. And I tell you this from experience. I began not only to believe in God, I had to believe God and that changed my faith. And I began to be selfish with how I wanted to desire things from God. And I became selfish with what I wanted to desire from God. I said, God, I don't want a portion of you. I want all of you. I want to do on earth what you have commanded in heaven. If God is giving me this gift and all I have to do is ask, I am asking him for everything. God, I want to actually dose of the Holy Ghost. Pour out your power in me. I want to be your hands and your feet. I want my voice to be your words. I want my mind to be the mind of Christ so that you will reveal things to me in amazing ways. Keep in mind, the first time that I really understood about the Holy Spirit, I'd already been a Christian for over a decade. I was a church kid, so I grew up around a lot of Christians. I was a pastor's kid, so I grew up around Bible stories and I knew theology better than American history. And I was my parents' kid. So I saw them hear from God in very distinct ways, and I assumed that we would all grow up and learn to hear from God the same way. My law-loving legalistic side did all the right things. I mean, from praying with people to being prayed over people to being prayed with people and reading my Bible and studying it exegetically and reading the one-year Bible seven times over. But after years of reading line upon line, verse upon verse, chapter upon chapter, book upon book of the Bible, I was discouraged and abandoned in my quest to hear from God. I wasn't seeing the effects. Of that work in my life. Something was missing. I longed for the faith I saw in others. I longed for the joy I saw in others as their life was a mess, a strength that I saw in others to carry through life. If faith was a car, I was living a two cylinder faith, but God wanted to give me an upgrade. So, I remember being in the Atlanta airport, this was several years ago, and I was working for a nonprofit organization at the time and I was in Atlanta to speak at a conference and once landing at the airport, I had to wait in a huge line outside of Hertz and they don't call it Hot Atlanta for no reason, it was boiling and by the time I made it to the front of the counter, the guy behind the desk looked like he hadn't smiled since 1972. And so I made it my, my mission. I was going to get this guy to crack a smile. I was going to make this guy experience the joy of the Lord. And I was going to, of course, ask for an upgrade. So without even looking at me, looking down at his keys, annoyed as all get out, he said, what's your name? What kind of car you order? I said, hi, good morning. My name is Bianca, but you can call me Beyonce because I'm a queen. And I'd really love my Ferrari. At that, he looked at me and gave like a smug. Girl, this hurts. We ain't got no Ferraris but let me see what I could do. Now, my budget allowed for a Yaris. Now, please do not at me if you drive a Yaris, okay? I just knew that I did not have power steering or power windows or power locks or power doors, right? So I was gonna have to be rolling up my window and turning my wheel 18 times just to turn the corner, right? So my budget allowed for a Yaris, but I was believing God for a Prius. You know, save the environment and have some AC, glory to God. Okay, so he handed me my registration paperwork, and he wrote the number of the car and the stall that had its corresponding number. Well, I walked out into the full car parking lot, and I had saw the Yaris's. Well, I began to walk by the (gasps) Yaris's, and then I passed the Corollas. Oh, my Lord. Then I got to the Prius's, and I thought for sure he gave me an upgrade of a Prius. But then I passed the Priuses, and then I got to the Camry's, and I was like, yes, Lord, glory to glory, strength to strength. Then I noticed I had to keep on walking until I saw the corresponding number on the contract with the corresponding number on the floor. I was confused. The car that was in front of me was a brand new, loped out black Mercedes Benz with rims. Now, you know you're in Atlanta when the car rental place offers rims on their car, okay? Let me tell you something. This Bougeto queen came up. I did a little praise dance in the parking lot right then and there. I said, won't he do it? Go out, girl. Twirl for Jesus. I was out there just spinning and giving God the praise. But how many people know that we can turn our blessings into burdens? For real. Because once I got into the car, I had some problems. I had an internal and external issue. My internal issue was, oh my God, if I drive to this conference, this Christian conference, and I roll up in this car, what would people think of me? Are they going to think I'm a snake oil salesman? Are they going to think that I'm all prosperity people? The other issue I was facing is, am I going to act better now that I don't have a Yaris and I'm rolling up in a pins? That was the internal issue. But then my external issue was, oh, snap. This car is a stick shift, and I don't know how to drive stick. I'm from California. Don't judge me. Whatever. So I knew I can go back and tell my new friend from Hertz that I was afraid of what people would think of me. I was afraid I was going to act better. I was afraid I don't know how to handle this blessing that He gave me. But then I was like, girl, you did not come this far to only come this far. No, 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 no. We're going to figure this out. So down the Georgia highway, I was jerking my car, grinding gears because I said this upgrade is too wonderful. Now, let me pause and parallel that memory with how I viewed my faith. Because I went on a daring faith journey to explore the fullness of what God had for me and the precious gift of his spirit. Like the car. I was afraid of what people might think of me. I was afraid of accepting the spiritual blessing and thinking that I was better than people. And most importantly, I didn't know how it worked. I was afraid of being misinterpreted or worse misunderstood. Now, I needed to get out of two-cylinder faith and start operating with my upgrade. And my fear is that so many people settle for self-help when we have spirit help. Now, to make sure that we're all on the same page, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I want to make sure that we have clarity around the title. Because the title, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, isn't the best translation for how he's spoken about in scripture. Now, if you've ever sat in a Bible study with me before, you know that I like to geek out over the original translation of words because English language is so limited. So when we look at the original context, we can see a better description, a better understanding. Now, for note takers, let's define the, the word. The word used for Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is ruach, and you gotta say it with a kh in there. Ruach which is defined as breath or breath-like wind, even a violent exhalation. (sighs) In the New Testament, the word is pneuma, and it's a current of air, a breath, a blast, or a breeze. Now write this verse down and study it later. But in Job 34, verses 14 and 15, it says this, If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. Now, this might not mean anything to you because you don't think about breathing, but if you stop breathing, you die. Friend, as a lifeguard for almost 10 years, one of the things that we were tested on every single year was not CPR. It was rescue breathing because the most vital thing to our existence is our breath. Breath makes your heart beat. It makes your brain think. It makes your eyes blink. It makes your cheeks pink. We cannot live without breath. Do you know where we get the word revival from? The strictest meaning of the word indicates that someone has lost their capacity to breathe. They've lost their breath and they need to be revived. Without breath, we will die. The cry of my heart since I started doing ministry 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the cry of my heart since we started the Father's House Orange County, the cry of my heart since we started this podcast was, Lord, send revival. Allow your people to breathe again and live the life that you've called us to live to live a life empowered to do anything that you've called us to do, so breathe upon us. And I know so many Christians who are walking around with spiritual asthma like, I can't catch my breath. I'm not gonna make it. Just as we can lose our physical breath and need to be revived, we can also lose our spiritual breath and need revival. I'm here to tell you that God wants to give you breath. I believe that the word of God could be spoken even through a one of my favorite rappers when they say, let me catch my breath. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, <laughs> my mom's gonna be so mad at me that I quoted God and a rapper in the same sentence, but it's all good, mom. We're gonna deal with it. Jesus fix it. From the beginning of human history, God wants to breathe his life into us. Now, jot these scriptures down. I'm gonna read them over us, and you could study them later. But Genesis 2:7 says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Ezekiel 37, nine. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slains, that they may live. Look at John 20, 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, this is the words of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. As we wrap this up, I want us to have some practical handles about reminding us about the power of breath. So what do we know about breath? Breath is consistent. You don't have to tell yourself to breathe. Your body is created to do it naturally. The same is true of the Spirit of God. His presence is with us and will not quit. So as you breathe in and breathe out, the Spirit of God is there day in and day out. Number two, breath is invisible. It cannot be seen but the effects can be seen. And John 3, 8 says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the spirit. And lastly, breath is powerful. Breath keeps you alive. You cannot exist without breath. As we go through this week and we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you stay committed, that you listen, that you stay consistent, That you stay and you listen to every single episode because I know that the Spirit of God when He reveals Himself to you, it isn't just to benefit you, it's for the benefit of others. I remember one of the first times that this encounter really changed my life and not just my life but the life of others. I was volunteering on a ministry team for a Monday night Bible study at a church uh, that I attended midweek and I was part of the prayer team. So when people would say yes to Jesus and they'd want someone to pray over them at the end, they would come forward and I'd be one of the volunteers to pray with them. Or even if just someone needed prayer in general, I was there to serve after service. Well, that particular week, somebody came forward for prayer and I was able to pray with them and they had said yes to Jesus, so I gave them a Bible and grabbed their information and they were gone quickly. Well, I was gonna wait until everyone was gone so I could close down the room and clean up and make sure everything was set for the next day. And I saw somebody standing in the corner They were waiting for one of their friends that kind of pieced together a notice as I was watching. And to give you a visual of this young woman, she was young, early 20s. She had fishnet stockings and thick, dark combat boots, Doc Martens, with yellow shoelaces. She had a tattered denim skirt and a dark Ramones t-shirt that had holes in it. She was wearing a, a dark denim jacket that had buttons from concerts or bands. Her hair was jet black, she had lots of eye makeup on, her nose was pierced, her eyebrows pierced, her lips were pierced. And she stood in the corner, aloof, not making eye contact with anyone. So I decided I was gonna make my way over and introduce myself. I told her that my name was Bianca, and she had this nervous laugh, like <laughs> And I said, hey, how are you doing? Can I do something for you? She said, oh, no, I'm, I'm just waiting <laughs> I said, well, what's your name? She said, my name's, <laughs> my name's Heaven. And all throughout our conversation, she had this weird laugh. I know this is gonna sound bananas, but friends, I remember the first time that this happened, I knew that it was God. There was something about her laugh that was so disconcerting, and I knew that there was a presence over her life that God wanted to break. At the expense of sounding bananas, the only way that I can explain it is that it was almost like my heart opened up and my head opened up for God to divinely download information about this woman that I otherwise would not know. In scripture, it's referred to as a word of knowledge, and we'll be discussing that in a couple days, but. I vividly remember looking at this woman and kindly telling her, I said, Heaven, I know you're laughing, but deep down inside, your heart is crying and you're laughing because you're masking the pain that's within inside. At that, she looked at me dead in the eyes and she said, what do you mean? I said, Heaven, I know that you were molested as a child. Heaven, I know that you were raped by your uncle. I know that you've turned to drugs and alcohol, and I know that you did drugs before you even came into this church service tonight. I'm here to tell you, Heaven, that God loves you, that God sees you, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. She looked at me confused. She said, how do you know that? I said, God loves you so much. He wanted me to speak right to your heart. At that, she broke. She began to weep. Friends, she began to sob. I put her into my arms. She buried her face into my neck, and she just wept. I began to pray big and bold prayers of healing over this young woman's life. Other prayer people began to surround us and they laid gentle hands on her and began interceding and praying for her. It was a powerful moment of breakthrough for that young woman. That night heaven accepted Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior and I'm not too sure the stronghold over her life would have been broken unless there was that specificity to call out what had been done to her. It was proof to her that God existed and I believe that sometimes the greatest Jesus people will experience will not just be the Bible studies that we teach or the podcasts that we record, but the life that we live, and believing that the greater is possible through us because of what Jesus promised us. That upgrade is available to you. And maybe you have walked to the Lord for one day, maybe you walked with the Lord for one decade, wherever you are on this faith spectrum, whether you are a baby Christian or a sanctified saint for a really long time, I believe that we have not because we ask not, And if you are not walking in the fullness of the upon experience of the Holy Spirit, let's not wait another day. I'm going to pray over us and I'm going to believe that this week will unpack and unlock some great things for your life and faith that we have when experiencing the power of his spirit. Heavenly father, we come before you and we invite you into this sacred space whether we are in cubicles or in earbuds or driving or on runs or on walks, on rocky trails. God, I pray right now that people pause and ask you with this simple word, this clarity of mind and this faith in heart, Spirit of the living God, come upon me. Overflow me. Fill me up anew. I want your Spirit to guide me, to lead me, to instruct me and empower me. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Friends, I'm so excited what God's going to do in this upcoming week. I hope that you stay committed. And if this podcast has blessed you, share it. Tag at Bianca Oltoff. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do so. I appreciate you. and I'm so glad we get to journey this road together.